Hey everybody, it's John. I haven't been on YouTube lately. Um, my brother died actually. Uh, my middle brother, uh, the cop Hank, he passed away. He had surgery three weeks ago tomorrow and everything went bad and he died and, and I got the flu and laryngitis on, and depression and grief. It's just been a, it's been a bad three weeks so I haven't done any YouTube or anything but I've been planning this tonight. YouTube and podcast, little uh, thing called jalapeno and grits and I got a buddy here David Palladino and he's from Long Island New York and me and him have sort of a, a business relationship and um, I just want him to introduce himself we're, we're completely different kind of guys and the name of this little thing is called jalapeno and grits I'm grits because I'm redneck like you know from here in Alabama <laughs> a convert and David Palladino he's from Long Island New York and uh, how long have you been Catholic, David? My whole life. I am what they call a cradle Catholic, um, but I would say that I rediscovered my faith. I'm, I'm not a revert. I never left the faith, but I rediscovered it, drifted away like many, many young people will between the age of 18, 24. Uh, got married to my wife, Lisa, at 25, and we raised three kids. And oh, you she got three kids? Yeah. I didn't know you had any kids. Yep. Yeah. Three kids. Huh. Uh, Nolan's 26, Lawrence 24, and Andrew's 19. Wow. And um, so I've been a Catholic my whole life, but my real research of the faith started in 1994 mm -hmm. when my mother, Ethel, who's 95, still kicking, still yeah. fighting for the church, she mm -hmm. gave me this report on modernism. Did she make that report? She did. She did. She really? came into this information. Um, my mother's 95, so keep in mind, she's seen the church before Vatican II, and then she's seen the church after Vatican mm -hmm. II. So she has the experience of understanding the changes that have occurred. So mm -hmm. she gave me great insight to some of the, th the things and, and the theological concepts that have infiltrated the church. Let, let, let me stop right there and, yeah. and back up a little bit, just give everybody context. Okay. He's born and raised Catholic, New York, Long Island, Italian. Um, I was born and raised Southern Baptist, Pentecostal, redneck here in Alabama. And I've been going to church all my life. And I was brainwashed since I was a kid. The Catholic Church was Great Horror Babylon, a cult, a mixture of uh, Christianity and paganism. And just I heard everything bad about the Catholic Church. So... A few years ago, in 2013, my wife, who was raised Catholic, decided to go back to Catholic Church. Well, she didn't really decide to go back. She wanted to go to Ash Wednesday to get her ashes. So I was standing right over there doing dishes at that sink, and she called me and said, I want to go get my ashes. And I was thinking at the Presbyterian Church, which is right behind us. And I was like, cool. And she said, I want to go to my church. And uh, I said, what do you mean, your church? She said, I want to go to Catholic Church to get my ashes. Ash Wednesday, 2013. So I went with her. First time to go to Catholic Church. First time to go to Mass. Didn't know what to do. Didn't know about all the hand signals and the, the <laughs> kneeling and what, why were we kneeling. Or any, I just didn't know anything. And I went scared. You know, I went scared. And I went there to fault fine. And I was nervous. And, um, you know, so when I started going to Catholic Church, it was so black and white, 180 degrees different from the Protestant religion. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was Southern Baptist, went to Presbyterian churches, went to the name it, claim it, Pentecostal, tongue-talking, pew-jumping, those kind of churches. And 
as bad as some people like you think that the Catholic Church is now since Vatican II, mm-hmm. okay, is bad, and, and you're of the you, you know you come across as you know it's going straight to hell. It's you know modernism has come in like a tsunami, and it's just awful. Well, to contrast me and your me and you, when I came into the Catholic Church, I thought, holy cow. This is so much better and wonderful than anything. And I could see no flaws. Yeah. Absolutely no flaws. And here you are raised in it. And for those who don't don't know what Vatican II is, can you Mm -hmm. kind of explain that kind of on a... Sure. You know, it's interesting because Vatican II is the only council that our church has convened that didn't deal with a specific heresy. And I find that very interesting because they, they really had a virtuous... Thing in mind, they really wanted to make the church more relevant to the world. Okay, have you ever heard these people talk about the fact that we live in this world, but we're not part of it? That's a tough trick, and I, I think of that statement quite a lot. Um, but yeah, they they wanted to be an ecumenical council where they were open to um, the world. Now, what's that big word mean? Uh, dialogue with many Protestant denominations, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. You can either say ecumenism or ecumenicism. People say it a different way. Mm-hmm. So it's the outreach and the co- the coming to understand the similarities that we have with our Protestant brethren, okay? And that's mm-hmm. important. We And there's so much more that unites us than that divides us. I mean, I've learned that for sure. Um, but, but So you say that from a lifetime cradle Catholic point of view. Correct. But from my point of view, we have almost nothing in common. You know, you remind me of Scott Hahn. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I hear you speak and, and you hear... I'm sorry, I, Bert. I'm drinking beer. <laughs> I'm having mine later. Actually, the only reason I'm here is John promised me a Heineken. Yeah. No, kidding. But, um, but you know, you really do. Um, actually, when I talked about me re, re um, establishing my faith mm-hmm. and coming to learn uh, more what, about it... What do we have in common besides we, Jesus? We have Jesus' grace... We have the Bible, okay? Okay. But not the fact that so We have a different Bible. Correct. Correct. As a matter of fact, but we, we have, believe that it's in the inspired word of God. We have four thousand one hundred and seventy-three more verses in our Bible than they do. Mm-hmm. And those four thousand one hundred and seventy-three but yes, I counted them. <laughs> those verses have a whole lot of stuff in them that Protestants do not believe. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why they took them out. Here's one thing that I do know, and I've learned this through experience. Whenever um, there's a big difference between dialogue and debate, I've learned that, especially with the woundedness out there in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've learned is that if you go to debate and you bring up the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist right away, mm-hmm. boom, it, it, it's such a huge reality of the Catholic understanding. Mm-hmm. Now, it, I well, would that's like a big difference, right? And and so, what was it? I'm going to ask you, John. Yeah. Um, when you came across the reality mm-hmm. of what we mm-hmm. truly believe, John six, John six, mm-hmm. and the whole discourse of the bread of life, yeah, and the different understandings of how we literally interpret certain areas of the Bible, you got paradoxes, you got you know all these different allegories. So you mm-hmm. got different literature, you know, that encompasses the Bible. So did, was was the initial perspective of the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist tough for you? Is that what you went to sink first? No. no. no I never had a problem with it because I'm not the type of that, that tries to explain away mm-hmm. things the Bible says all the time. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I read John chapter 6, and it was pretty clear to me, Jesus said, this is, this is me. And I remember when I had a church, and it was a name and claim of church, mm-hmm. I told all them people, we're going to do Lord's Supper like Catholics do, because Jesus said this is his body, mm-hmm. this is his blood. I said, I believe that. And I think it's a more intimate thing to have communion that way than to think that it's a cracker and it's a great, sure. great Sym- symbolic. Nothing. Symbolic. There's nothing that's to it. Right. So I had no problems with that. Now, I did talk to my Southern Baptist pastor who buried my mama, so I'm nice to him. But uh, he told me that I was going to follow an old man wearing a robe to hell. Mm-hmm. And I said, you talking about Martin Luther? He said, no, I'm talking about the Pope. That kind of stunned him when I said Martin Luther. Sure. But uh, he told me that the uh, in the Latin, they say hocus pocus, when they change the uh, bread into the mm-hmm. body. And he said, that's where we get magic and witchcraft from. So, you know, I didn't know the theology of it, and I still can't say that T word. What's that T word? Transubstantiation. I can't say that word, man, to <laughs> save my life. <laughs> Transylvania, what you call it? Transubstantiation. Transmission. It's better than a C word. I can't say it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, constant, what's that word? Consubstantiation. I can't say that one either. I'm a simple guy. But I had no we're, problem with that. We're both average Joes. You know, um, I'm from college. New York, so you're smarter. Uh, you know, you northerners are smarter oh, than southerners. Okay, okay. You know? I think I just got lucky. I, I mean, was look, born on the right I'm side half, of the Hudson River. I'm half barefoot. Right? <laughs> so... To, okay, so we have Jesus in common. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of Protestant churches that don't believe in the Trinity. You know, the Jesus only Pentecostals, United Pentecostal Church. There's, they believe in Jesus there's only. There's deists out there. There's tons of different perspectives. You, yeah, you got the Protestant churches all over the map. Sure. Okay, so what do we have in common? We don't have the same Bible. Did that quit? Did you two quit? We don't have the same Bible, right? Right. We don't always have the same Trinity. Right. Uh, we don't have, uh, we don't believe, as Catholics, we don't believe in private interpretation, but they do. Mm-hmm. Um, some Protestants believe you have to be baptized to be saved. Um, Catholics believe that being baptized is how you get saved. So mm-hmm. what do we have in common? Well, like I said, I, when, when I build upon dialogue, especially with Protestants, I think that we first and foremost we believe that Jesus died for our sins in, on Calvary, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and all of these things that you bring about are true. These are stumbling blocks to us coming to understand. But if we truly do believe that, and we believe in justification through God's grace, I mm-hmm. think that's a starting point for the misunderstandings. I, I think these things that divide us are they're real, okay? Mm-hmm. But I think that they can be overcome with perhaps being open to hearing how and where and why you learned what you learned. So there's a division between the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church. Then you get over there to the Protestant Church, and they're completely divided up. I mean, they hate each other. They really do. There's never going to be any church community. For 1,500 some odd years, there was only the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. And then look what happened when Martin Luther... Had his little hissy fit. A big mess. Had it. I mean, look at all of the the, the different denominations that splintered off of there, mm-hmm. and with that, of course, all these different understandings of truth. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have some people, some churches now that believe that homosexuality is okay. Mm-hmm. 
where in the Bible in Romans, I think it's pretty clear. Is yeah. it? I mean, you know, given over to moral depravity, all that stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, so how in the world these different understandings and abortion? A lot of the Protestant churches are embracing abortion, and it's it's scary, honestly. I mean, I mentioned my children. John, you've got children. That's that's what gets me as a father is that I I saw some and heard their perspectives, you know, when they become indoctrinated in the public schools. I don't have many regrets in my life really, but one of the regrets I have is not homeschooling my kids. Did you hear that, that Brian? My my kid, you know, honestly, there's an indoctrination to this worldly, secular, humanist mentality where you know, they think a lot of these kids now think that homosexuality and 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 equal rights for them is the same. It's the new civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. It's it's and they don't even understand the morality tied yeah. to it. So these are the frustrations, and I think, and to be honest, as a father, my fears in in what's what's come into our church, mm-hmm. in, in my perspective, like you said, I've got the perspective of cradle Catholic, always knowing. The altar rail, pre V two things, the reverence that existed, yeah. lack of reverence now, all these things mm-hmm. that. Um, and I've I, I did a little thing on Facebook um, called Fridays with Frodo recently, and the experiences that I've had as an Orthodox and being totally, um, I don't want to say condemned, but but the reaction that I received from so called loving leaders. When I brought orthodox perspectives and questions, it really has me in a, within a crisis of humanity, mm-hmm. not faith, not faith. Our faith is true. Our doctrines are there for a reason. That's divine revelation that mm-hmm. God gave us when Jesus came to this earth. It's unchangeable. My crisis is someone opening my arms back up now to embrace Communio with my fellow brothers and sisters, knowing that I've been burned for the perspectives I've had. Well, let let me just say this: to um, I came to Catholic Church 2013 and 14. Just, I mean, I, I say it's like this: it was like going from living in a single wide trailer to discovering a 80 room mansion. Mm-hmm. With all this, I mean, every room had stuff in it. Great I mean, and that's what it's like. But, but having said that, over the past couple of years, I'm starting to, you know, I didn't know what the hell Vatican II was. Mm-hmm. So my brother thought it meant Vatican I was where Rome was here. Then Vatican II, they moved the capital to someplace else, you know? And that's what he thought it was. He didn't know what it was. He said, why did y'all change cities for? What are you talking about? He said, well, Vatican I moved to Vatican II, you know, like a housing development or something. But uh, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what a veil was. I didn't know what a Latin mass was. I didn't know. Uh, to, I was taught to receive the Eucharist, the host, in my palm mm-hmm. and put it in my mouth myself. We didn't kneel. We didn't do the rosary. We didn't learn the rosary. I mean, there was a lot of stuff in my home parish. I just never heard in RCIA. Mm-hmm. Mortal sin for missing mass, never heard of such. Mortal sin is this, didn't know what a mortal sin was. I mean, didn't see a bad. Then I started going to another Catholic church, and I started seeing that there was a big difference mm. uh, in, in the two churches. The uh, Catholic church that I was birthed in, mm-hmm. um, now I can see where it's very liberal and modernist. Mm. 
and uh, the church that I'm in now is a little more hardcore and old-fashioned. And then I found out that Vatican II sort of opened the door for a lot of worldly things to come in and change our traditions. Yeah. A lot of little changes. You know, you know, it's interesting because I, I hear people say, are you pre-V2? And I'm not pre-V2. Uh, I don't. I understand that the church cannot go back to the way things were prior to Vatican II, but there's a whole lot of problems that evolved mm-hmm. from it. And I'm not talking about the documents themselves. The documents are beautiful. I mean, there's four major constitution, sixteen documents that's supposed to work and gel together. The Mother Angelica said, "Reads beautifully as scripture." If taken in its totality, right. right? But the, the Constitution on the modern world was elevated as the crown jewel of this council. And people fell in love with the world. Mm-hmm. And what, who's in, in Scripture, John, okay, Jesus talked clearly about two realities. Mm-hmm. What were they? Uh, kingdom of God and the world. There you yeah. go. There you go. Well, and they had this Pollyanna idea that we were going to embrace the world and throw open the windows of the church. Are, are you saying to make it user-friendly? Because, you know, there's some people that say that Vatican II, they brought in all these Protestant consultants. Yep. And so this is how you can make the Catholic Church more Protestant or more user-friendly or less Catholic, less... Is that what happened? Because all I got to do is look at pictures on Google. Yes. Of the Catholic Church 50 years ago, when men were wearing suits and sitting on one side, the women were veiled on the other side, there was altar rails... Yes. They were all kneeling, all taking on the tongue. The last the masses in Latin, the preacher faced the altar and was up there in the To the east, yes, yeah. facing the east, the Son of God. Yeah. You know, I I I was having this conversation with one woman and, and she as soon as that adodeum, I think you call it, as soon as the priest facing the east came up, it was so interesting because she became hostile and she said, I'll never go to a church where that priest turns his back on me. Yeah, it's all about me. Exactly. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. There it is. There is the humanism that I believe. Yes, so I agree. Yes, I believe that that's happened. And I love the Scott Hahn stories, your story, John. I think it's awesome. I think Scott Hahn said something a lot that uh, his, uh, his journey to the Catholic Church started as a horror story, meaning he was anti-Catholic the same way you were. And it turned into a mystery as soon as he set foot inside that mass. He hmm. knew there was something special in that mass, and it said it culminated as a love story. And I, I think that's a – and those are the truths that you found, mm-hmm. John, which kind of like when I met you, I'm like, hey, this guy's yeah. I mean, you converts are the lifeblood of our church because you've come to know the truths as adults. Mm-hmm. We learned it as little kids. We accepted things from, our, from the nuns. You, you notice my earlobe, the right one's longer than the left one? That's, mm-hmm. that's Sister Mary Vida. Paladina! But, but, so you, you know, went to Catholic schools? Yeah, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And, and I thank God for those nuns now because that tough understanding, the understandings that we and the education we received through the Baltimore Catechism, they were, they were the, the, the concrete, the building stones of our faith that I, I've never lost. Mm-hmm. And you see everything changing. Look at our society and how quick it's it's you know decaying. Mm-hmm. And I, I I thank God for that upbringing um, and the black and white reality between heaven and hell. And I think that's what's been blurred.
somehow. Well, let me ask you this. When, when I had a church, we did everything we could to, um, I guess, make it worldly. We wanted all the sermons to be about uh, how to have a happy marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing wrong with happy marriage, but everything, you know, is all about me. Yeah, everything. Feelings, huh? We wanted to, yeah, money. How, mm-hmm. how can I get more money? How can I get healed? Can I talk in tongues? It, it just seemed like everything that we that we we tried to advertise stuff. Uh, we tried to put lures out there. Mm-hmm. Bait. You want to get rich. You want to get your marriage blessed. You want protect. I mean, we were we were trying to appeal to the desires of the flesh, really, to think to to, to, to grow want. the church for monetary reasons. Yeah, heck yeah, nickels and noses, man. Mm-hmm. Nick, yeah, that's what we wanted. But then you go over Catholic, Catholic mass. See, we used to leave church and say, you know something, praise and worship wasn't any good today. I didn't get nothing out of it, or I didn't get anything out of the sermon, or Pastor so and so wasn't it. Well, because it was all about me. Were my emotions? Did I did I get stirred up? Did I feel goosebumps? But at Catholic Mass, it ain't nothing about me. You know, I, I'm not going there to hear a sermon about how to um, how to uh, increase in 2019, mm-hmm. how to have a new car, uh, a new prayer language, mm-hmm. and, and I don't hear that. I, it's all about God. It's all about Jesus. And if there's anything about me in it, it's about me suffering. Or dying to myself, which is the anti-message of today. I mean, if you look at Joel Osteen yeah. and, and uh, those people, it's all about payday. It's interesting you brought that up because one of the things Vatican II tried to do was to focus more on the Word of God. But here's what happened in a lot of instances with that becoming the focus. So the Mass is two things, the Word of God and the Eucharist, right? Mm-hmm. So you got the balance between God's gospel message you know, you got the three readings, Old Testament, New Testament. They're all supposed to blend together. So you got the Word of God, and then you've got the revelation and the reality of the Eucharist as a perfect balance. But here's what happened. I think the priest got to think that he was the show dog. Mm-hmm. He, he was the main event of the Mass rather than the sacrifice of the Eucharist being yeah. the main part of the Mass. Well, that's and fair. that's where those feelings, like, I have to make my homily better to bring these people in. Mm-hmm. When it's the Eucharist that is right. more than capable of giving everyone, You're everyone right. what they in need. In the Catholic Church, it's all about the Eucharist. In the Protestant Church, it's all about the sermon. You know, how... how um, Who's funny? Who has the best stories and all that? Mm-hmm. Uh, when actually the Bible says be apt to teach, mm-hmm. right? Don't talk about getting up there showboating, right? And, uh, and it's not people, about the glory. It's making people fall out of the Holy Ghost, right? Slaying right. in the Spirit, and all that. Getting them I did. Up. Now I did rest in the Spirit. It was a great experience. Uh, I I met a priest that assisted in two exorcisms. Um, and I experienced that, and that mm-hmm. is that was a beautiful experience. You're perfectly conscious and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and it's a very um, it was. I just considered it a gift. I never once thought that that made me special in any way. It was mm-hmm. just for whatever reason God wanted me to experience that. So those are real realities. I think that that can occur when we open ourselves up to seeking God's face. Right. Okay. So what happened? We had um. This Vatican II with these beautiful documents, mm-hmm. and maybe the right intentions. How could I was explained Vatican II by uh, uh, I forget what bishop told me. He said we were trying to make uh, we were trying to meet people's needs. That's what I was told. We wanted 
not to be stuffy, but how can we make the church meet people's needs in 1968 or whatever? And I, then I think there was a lot of people in leadership during the 60s and 70s that felt that the church had become rigid. Mm-hmm. You heard that word lately? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rigid. Yeah. That's a posture, first of all. Yeah. Um, and so I start, I always started to think about when I, I kept hearing that, I'm like, what does that mean? I guess what it, what, what it means is that they felt the church had become outdated. Mm-hmm. How, how can the reality of what we do at Mass be outdated? Mm-hmm. It's impossible. The Eucharist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think that it's a situation where um, a lot of people wanted to do good, but it became more of a humanistic understanding. I, I heard this this RCA director say one time, he's like, Vatican II gave the church back to the people. I don't want the people to have the church. It's Christ's church. Yeah. It's not ours. Right. So, I mean... Was it Acts uh, twenty twenty eight? The Lord has made you uh, bishops over his flock, which is purchased with his own blood. You would know it better than me because... Yeah. And then you got Hebrews 13, 7 or 8. It says, submit to your elders, right? For they watch over your souls. <sighs> submit to your elders. Mm-hmm. So right now, depending on what news you watch, what websites you look at, what links you got... Uh, several people out there saying that the church is just uh, in crisis, that there's people that are afraid the church is going to change her teaching on marriage, mm-hmm. on receiving yeah. communion. Uh, there's people that believe that uh, we have something called a uh, lavender mafia, uh, that that's... homosexuality has completely swamped leadership, um, that we have... Uh, ministers in the Catholic Church that are allowed to preach the homosexual agenda right now. With no re- I mean, they're on YouTube. I'm not going to mention any names, mm-hmm. but you go on YouTube and see Catholic priests supporting uh, homoge- homosexual agendas, liberal agendas. Big time. And, and, and not a, no slap on the hand. No accountability. And so what, what's up with that? What's up with that? Uh, my own personal opinion is that the devil is inside the church for sure. Um, well, they actually said that, didn't he? What's his name? Uh, Amor. The one that passed away. Yeah, he that, said the devil himself lives. That's where his residence That's is. exactly right. And mm-hmm. and I think that if you look through history and you look at some of the visionaries, um, both you and I have an ability to meet some people um, far brighter than you and I. Um, I was talking to one brilliant priest and he said we need to be looking to um the prophecies that we've received from mother mary throughout time and he brought up um our lady of good success in quito ecuador fatima of course Mm -hmm. and also um the one in japan um yeah 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 Yeah. right and if you look at if you look at what is said in especially in our lady of good success in quito ecuador bishops against bishops the devil will infiltrate the church. Um, this homosexuality, to not, I mean, you have to put your head in the sand and just not watch news to not believe that the homosexual network is controlling the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, and, and I, I don't, I want to love. Mm-hmm. I want to listen. I want to learn. Yeah. And I've asked all of the, you know, I mentioned, you know, the fact that we, 
have access to these bright minds. Mm -hmm. I even asked our current bishop, um, and I framed it this way. I said, you're my, you're my leader, my shepherd. I, I, I asked this in humility. But because I've learned certain things about modernism, I went into the theological and philosophical underpinnings of what's going on. And I haven't had one, one person, one elder mm -hmm. that said I'm wrong in any way. I do believe the church is in crisis. I think it may be as great as Arianism when we had to come up with the formulation of faith through the Nicene Creed. Mm -hmm. um, I think that Christology is under attack. And when I say Christology, that's a fancy way of saying Jesus' two natures are not balanced, his humanity, his humanity and his divinity. Mm -hmm. When they become skewed, and these are what these great priests have told me, when, you, when his humanity is, is trumpeted and pushed up to the top, that's where you deal with mercy, mercy, mercy. Meet them where they are. Is that a reality? You bet it is. But justice, justice, we serve a just God. It mm -hmm. has to be balanced with justice. To meet someone where they are in their sin and their woundedness, to not be able to take them where they need to be through our doctrines and the beautiful flowering of God's grace through these, these believed realities that have been with our church from the beginning of time, mm -hmm. it's ludicrous. Yeah, And it's that rupture of Christology that is in place now. That's what, that's what I've learned. I mean, I, in 94, I started reading what my mother had presented to me, and I threw it up on a shelf because it was, it was too big for me. Now she wrote that? She wrote it. And she's, how old was she when she wrote that? Well, let's see, she's 95 now, and this was 94, you can do the math. So it's like almost exactly half a time. She wrote that report with half the time. So Vatican II was, um, it's like 50, 60 years. So she wrote it in 94. Um, everything that she wrote in here, I lived through my experience in a modernist diocese. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing. These the so if you have you if you ever ever heard of someone say modernity, mm -mm. okay. I, I think I heard you say it. One okay, time. so just modernity, modernity. Okay, so modern. Okay, modernity is the end result of the modernist theology, right? So it's the condition caused by the errors of the, of philosophy and theology. So um, I think what you have is the fact that the modernist theology has brought the church. To solely a focus on Jesus's humanity, so um, you so, talk about like his mercy and it, compassion, it, it, exactly. And go and sin no more. Feel good, yeah. Because we want to feel like good. Like you, you, you nailed it. Yes, yeah. you nailed it, John. That mm -hmm. that's exactly where the church is gone, and that's not love. On the surface, I think a lot of these people that have become modernists, I truly believe that there are modernist agents that are radicals that know exactly what they're doing. But I think there are tons of victims of the theology in the church that, like, we're always looking to take the path of least resistance, right? So if you can, like, be, be pleasured by something and it's now okay, why not? Mm -hmm. But that's not, I don't think that that's probably the thought process we should have, right? Is, is it really endowed with God's grace? Is it truly true? Or is it just manipulation of conscience based on where culture's gone? Well, so. I'll tell you what. We've covered a lot of ground tonight, and I want to do this again real soon. It'd be great. Um, if you guys like this, please 
Um, I got a YouTube channel, Catholic for Rednecks, the number four in the middle. Facebook, Instagram, Catholic for Rednecks. And David, do you have a page or a, anything yet you're working on? No, I uh, we have talked about doing this for quite a while. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wanted to basically do this initial thing with you. And, and it's really, as a brother, to have someone that actually sees and hears and wants to wants to serve it's really uplifting for me because i've had this stuff and i'm sure everyone out there are you not frustrated yeah i mean well next time i I got some specific questions good and i want some answers all right okay if i can give it i'll give it all right man appreciate it all right john do it again all right